Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we are in week 13 of our series called The Story. And uh, we started the beginning of the year. We are going all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it's God's unfolding story of redemption in human history. And um, I want to give you just kind of a little behind the scenes kind of sneak peek. Um, when you plan out sermon series, okay, you, you, you kind of have to, there's certain seasons, certain holidays, certain events that you kind of got a plan for in your sermon series. So when you do a series for a whole year, you know, you, you, you're kind of taking some chances. Like, for instance, Christmas and Easter, you've got to plan for that in your sermon plan, okay? You got to make sure. And then usually like around Thanksgiving is a great time to talk about gratitude and generosity and those kinds of things because we're realizing how grateful we are and what God has done. And then the new year usually is a good chance to talk about just making fresh starts and making some changes for your life. And, and then there's other holidays that come up like Father's Day and Mother's Day, and you got to kind of account for those. Now, Father's Day, you get a whole lot of slack because dads are easily, easily pleased, okay? But I learned a long time ago, very early on in pastoral ministry, you do not mess with Mother's Day, okay? You hear about it if you do. And so um, with all the things that we've had going on this spring from all the way back a couple months ago when we had our prayer vigil, um, and then, of course, uh, Good Friday and Easter and um, our walk for water, and just we've had the service time changes. We've just done so much this spring. It's been a very, very full and busy spring in the life of our church. And, and I have to admit, I did not look really far ahead to see in this series of the story, like where Mother's Day was going to fall. And I realized a couple of weeks ago, I am so glad it didn't fall last week, because last week with David and Bathsheba was not going to be a good Mother's Day message. But our Lord, who is rich in mercy and abounding in grace and steadfast love, in his infinite wisdom and foreknowledge, laid it out in such a way that Mother's Day falls on Solomon's story, who wrote the book of Proverbs, which is filled with good, godly advice for moms and dads. So God was looking out for me, okay? So, yeah, thank God. Because <laughs> moms, I'm sure, are glad we are not talking about David and Bathsheba. Um, so if you want to take your Bibles, we're in the book of Proverbs. We're going to just kind of open it up with Proverbs chapter 1, because this kind of sets the scene for all of the Proverbs. By the way, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And one of the great things you can do is you can read a chapter a day, and in a month you will get through the book of Proverbs. And there's always going to be something there. Because it doesn't read like a story. They're just little snippets of some godly wisdom um, for your life. So that's, if you never thought about doing that, that's something you can do. So we're going to start Solomon, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Uh, if you have your copy of the story with you this morning, that's in page 179, uh, paragraph 2. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for in understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head. And a chain to adorn your neck. And that begins 
the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is filled with very practical, life-applicable lessons. It's godly wisdom for us. And, and I don't know if you ever, anybody ever wondered why God put in the Bible this whole book of wisdom? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, great theological truth this morning. People are dumb. <laughs> Not you people. You people are okay. It's those other people. But the problem, basically, we are dumb. We get ourselves into all kinds of trouble that we could avoid if we just had some godly wisdom. We are all in need of godly wisdom, and God knew that. And so right smack dab in the middle of his word, he put these words for us. They are words of wisdom for us. And, um, and this morning, we're going to take a look at some wise words for parents, for moms and for dads. Um, and by the way, this isn't just for parents. If you are a grandparent, if you are an aunt, if you are an uncle, if you are a child trying to figure out your parents, okay, this is some really good words for you. In fact, I had someone come after Saturday night service last night, and they said, you know what? I am a teacher, and everything that is in there is so applicable in my classroom. It really is, because the chances are you have impact, you have influence on a child or a teenager, and this kind of stuff is great for every one of us. So here's some words of wisdom for parents, how to be a wise parent. First one is this, wise parents provide their kids direction. Proverbs 22, 5 and 6. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Start children off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And that's one of the most well-known of the Proverbs. But what he is saying is, listen, there are all kinds of paths that people can take in life. And they are filled with detours. They are filled with pitfalls. They are filled with snares and things that can get you into trouble. So a wise parent will understand you have this small window of opportunity. It's not very big. But that small window of opportunity, you have the chance to set direction for your kids' lives that will last them for the rest of their life, all the way into their adult years and beyond. He said, wise parents understand, I have this little window of opportunity. Yeah, every day seems like it will never end, but the years go by really, really fast. And you've got this small window of opportunity, so make the most of it. Child development tells us that typically by the age of three, a child's character has pretty much been shaped and molded. Which, by the way, is what makes the terrible twos so terrible. Because you are some of do, doing some of the hardest work at that point in their lives. But you are shaping their character. You are setting direction for it. And it's establishing some consistent patterns for their lives. Some older translations might say, um, if you've got one of the old translations, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Training. Now, every year, baseball teams get together in the early spring, and they have what's called spring training now these guys are professionals they know how to play baseball they know everything they, they know how to play the game They're, they make a living at it but every year they still have spring training do you know why they do that they go back over the fundamentals they get back into the rhythm they get back into those established patterns they do it over and over repetitively repetitively over and over so that when the season starts it will become second nature to them once again that's the idea of training it's consistent, it, it, it's repetitive, but what it does is it sets a pattern so that it becomes second nature. It becomes natural for them. And that's what, that's what he's saying. He says, do that for your kids. Establish consistent patterns of life in your household 
so that they will know how to live life. Now, part of that means you need to recognize the individual uniqueness and skills of your own kids. Become a student of your child. Because they all have different personalities, and they all have different gifts and talents. And you need to discover your child's uniqueness so that you can uniquely train them in this way. And, And by the way, let me tell you, that verse that we just read, that is not a guarantee. Okay, there are no guarantees. Because I have known parents who've, who've been the best of parents and set great patterns for their kids, and then they find that their kids, as they get older, start making their own choices and make some bad choices and take rebellious choices, and, they, and they're, they're heartbroken over it. And then not only are they heartbroken over it, but they are also carrying the shame and the guilt, like, what did I do wrong? And I just want to tell you, this is not a guarantee. This is a proverb. Now, there are different ways in which God instructs us in his word. There are some things where he gives us commandments. There are some things that he gives us that are promises. And then there are these things called the Proverbs. And they are not the same. Okay? The commandments, they are rules for life. They are simply to be obeyed. So, for instance, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is a commandment. That is a law. That is a rule for life. That is simply to be obeyed every time. Okay? Then there are promises. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a promise. That is a guarantee. He's saying in Christ, nothing will ever be able to separate us. You can take that to the bank. God has made that promise to you. Okay? Then there are Proverbs. Okay, Proverbs are not guarantees. They're not law. They are not promises. They are a general description, godly wisdom for how life generally works. So let me give you another proverb. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Now that's not a promise that if you're, if you're lazy, you're going to be poor, and if you're diligent, you're going to be wealthy. It is just an observation about the way God has designed things so that in a godly life, In general, if you are lazy, you're going to suffer the results of that. And if you're diligent, you will reap the rewards of that. But there are exceptions. A lazy person can win the lottery and still end up rich. It can happen, okay? So it's not a promise. It's a proverb, and that's the difference, okay? So to make sure that we understand the difference, I'm going to kind of give you a little pop quiz this morning. I'll give you a couple of different verses from Scripture, and you tell me, is it a law, is it a promise, or is it a proverb? First one, thou shalt not murder. Law. law. Okay, sharp group this morning. Okay, yeah, that is a law. That is simply be, to be obeyed. No ifs, ands, or buts. You, that's simply to be obeyed. Let me give you another one. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise. Exactly. You can take that to the bank. God has made that promise to you. Okay, and one more. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. That is, somebody said law. Well, it is not a law. It's a proverb, okay? It is a general description of this is how life works. This is how God designed it, and life in general works better if you obey and follow these proverbs. They're not guarantees, they're not promises, but they are godly wisdom. And wise parents know that, and so they set direction for their kids while they have the chance second thing wise parents dispense discipline wise parents dispense discipline now this is a hard one because nobody likes to be the bad guy but let me tell you discipline is an act of love 
It really is. As hard as it is sometimes. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Again, he's saying, listen, you've got this small little window here. (laughs) Don't forget that. Discipline your children now while there's hope, while you have the opportunity. And don't be a willing party to their death. If you don't discipline them now, you are just setting them up for failure in the future. So let me give you some keys when it comes to disciplining. Okay, The first one is this. Start firm so you can ease up later. You are better off being firm in your discipline when your children are young because you can always ease up. But if you are lax, if you're inconsistent, if you're too easy on them when they're young, it is a difficult thing to try and clamp down later. You just, it doesn't work that way. So do it, like he says, while there is hope. While you have the chance, start off firm. You can always ease up. A second thing is, as parents, husbands and wives, be on the same page. Be on the same page. Be agreed on the disciplines that you use. Be agreed on what are the rules of your household. Be together on this because kids have this incredible knack for dividing us. They divide and conquer, okay? So you got to stay strong. Be together on it. Be consistent. Be on the same page. Um, Here's another one. Differentiate between who they are and what they've done. And there's ways that you can do this. Okay? One of the ways that we did, I wish I could say I did it 100% of the time. I'll be honest, didn't. But in general, what we tried to do, anytime we had to discipline our kids, for whatever reason, whatever shape of discipline, we always ended the discipline, or almost always, tried to always, end it with a hug and a kiss. And in that way, we're saying to them, listen, I still love you. I love you. I just don't like the way you've been behaving. And if you think about that, isn't that what God does with us? I mean, he has given us a beautiful model. Jesus taught taught us to to consider God as our heavenly father. And and he's so good at that. In his grace, he never stops loving us. No matter how many times we rebel, no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many times we do our own thing and, and pay the consequences of it. Yes, sometimes we do pay the consequences. Yes, sometimes he does have to discipline us. But he never stops loving us. And if you can find ways to convey that to your kids, just when you have to discipline, just let them know, I still love you. I don't like your behavior, but I still love you. You're my child. Be consistent also. Be consistent. Follow through. Now, that means it's going to be, there are some days it is hard. Okay, I remember days when our kids were younger that I would come home from work sometimes and Betty would just say, I felt like the only thing I did all day was discipline kids. I didn't do anything else. I just had to discipline kids all day long. And yes, sometimes it feels like that because discipline is hard work. It really is. But the payoff is in the long run. Now, that means you've got to kind of decide what are the non-negotiables? What are the things that we're really going to be firm on and what things we're going to have to let skate? So you're just going to have to kind of ease up a little bit. But here are three things that I found have been very, very helpful when I heard this. The things that are the non-negotiables is when there's dishonesty, disobedience, or disrespect. Those are like, those, those, you can say those are the three non-negotiables. Those are the things you have to address, and you have to address them 
firmly had to address them immediately. Dishonesty, disobedience, disrespect. I think those are three non-negotiables. The ultimate goal. Oh, listen. I love this next verse. Um, Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your children, and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. Now, I've been thinking about that this week, and I kind of figured out I know what the delights you desire. It's grandkids. <laughs> yeah, see? That, you get to enjoy that, okay? Yeah, the, the hard work you put on your own kids, the payoff is you get grandkids, and you don't have to do any discipline. You just get to love on them and just have all kinds of fun. You get to be the good parent, okay? Um, no, it's, it's true, though. It, there will be times when discipline is really, really hard. In fact, there will be times when, when it, it's difficult, and your kids will grow up, and they'll, they'll get into those teenage years, and you'll feel like you're doing the terrible twos all over again. And they're not going to like you. They will not like you. Let me tell you, you don't have to have your middle schooler like you. In fact, here's a sentence we, we, I learned. I don't, know, I don't know if my wife came up with it or I came up with it, but here's a sentence that we would use quite often, particularly in the teenage years. You know what? It is not my job to make you happy. It is not my job to be your friend. It's my job to be your parent. And that's what I'm doing. And you don't like it. You don't like it now. But you will like it later. Sometimes, some things, I think sometimes for parents, when your kids become teenagers, you want them to like you. And that's not your job. Your job is to discipline and provide them so that they become self-disciplined adults. And then they will like you. <laughs> Though they don't like you now, they will like you. And believe me, liking you later is better than liking you now. Because later lasts longer. Okay? So just, yeah, it's hard. And sometimes, and just, that's a, you can have that sentence for free. It's not my job to make you happy. It's not my job to be your friend. It's my job to be your parent. And they will like you later. So provide your kids discipline. Wise parents do that. Wise parents instill confidence. Give your kids the tools that they will need for life. That's what Solomon talks about. Proverbs 3, 21-22. He says to his son, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Wisdom understanding, sound judgment, discretion. Those are the things that you want to build into your kids' lives. The ability to think for themselves and reason for themselves and make good choices for themselves. Confident decision-making is one of the goals you have for them. Proverbs 2, 3 and 9, again, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. How do you do that? Well, here's what you don't do. You don't do everything for them. There is a phenomenon in our culture that has come up in the last, oh, maybe 20 years or so, maybe a little bit longer than that. I saw the seeds of it when we were raising our kids, but I think it's becoming much more prevalent, and they're actually starting to do some studies on the outcomes of this. It's called helicopter parenting. Have you heard that term? 
It's a, it's a term used to describe parents who are constantly hovering in their children's lives. Always they're bailing them out. Always they're rescuing them. Always they're making decisions for them. Always they're interceding for them. If they got a problem at school, it's not the, it's not the kid's fault. It's the teacher's fault. It's the, it's the principal's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And they're constantly hovering, and hence the term helicopter parents. And now they are starting to do some studies on this because they're finding now as these, these kids are growing up and now entering universities and colleges, it has become a major problem. Because helicopter parents are accomplishing exactly the opposite of what they really want for their kids. And what they are discovering now as they've started doing some of these studies on it is that some of the outcomes are that damages the children's feeling of competence and autonomy. They have become overly dependent on their parents' help for everything. We've also discovered it breeds narcissism and poor coping skills. They just don't know how to deal with life. And, and have found that it actually adds to and raises the stress levels in university students and leads to depression. It does all the things that the parents didn't want to happen. That's what happens if you start doing everything for your kids. You need to let them make their own decisions when the stakes are low. Let them fail. Let them make their mistakes when the outcomes don't impact their lives so greatly. And I know that's hard. And again, I wish I could say I was perfect at this. I was not. Okay, I've got regrets about it. I remember sixth grade science projects. I don't know if Venetian Middle School still does these, but when our kids were in middle school, they had the sixth grade science projects. There were four major science projects that they had to do throughout the year. And I remember going, I think it was to the back-to-school night, and it was like just after the first science projects had been turned in. And it went, and they were all on display around the classrooms. And I remember going through them, looking at all these things, and thinking, okay, that kid did not do that. Okay? I know. The parents did that one. I, that, that was not the kids. And so not to be outdone, I went home, and the next project, I got, my daughter got an A on her skeleton project, okay? I jumped in there, and we had the best, she had the best skeleton going, I, I, wanted to, I wanted her to succeed. I wanted her to do better than the other students. And if they're going to help, get help from their parents, parents are going to do that. I'm going to do that. It's not good. Okay? You are much better off letting them do their own work and learning from that. Because that's where they'll get the confidence. See, confidence comes from experience. you got to experience the risks. you got to experience even the failures and the mistakes. Because you also get a chance to experience the successes. And wise parents understand that. Don't bail them. Let them fail <laughs> when the stakes are still low because you don't want them to find that first big mistake when it's really important. Wise parents do that. And then wise parents nurture faith. Now, nurturing faith is not the job of the church. We are partners with you, and we take our family ministries very important here and very seriously here. Our DIG ministry is so cool, and it really does a good job of educating our kids in knowledge of Scripture. And our, and our youth ministry, we, we give a lot of attention to that. That's a very, very high value for us as a church. But let me tell you, we cannot do it for you. It is your job as parents to do that. Because if you think about it, we have your kids an hour, maybe two a week. You have them the rest of their lives, the rest of theirs. So really, nurturing faith 
is more your job. We come alongside. We're here to help. We're here to support. But really, it's your job. Because lessons of faith are lessons of life. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. In other words, everyday life. Now, does that wording sound at all vaguely familiar? For those of you who have been with us through this whole series, through this story, about eight weeks ago, we were looking at the giving of the law and how God gave the law to Moses to give to the nation of Israel. And you remember, I don't know if you remember it, this is what Moses said at the end of giving the law to the people. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. See, Solomon is echoing what Moses said long beforehand. And it's the same thing for us today. He said, model faith to your children. Let them see how you live out your faith in Christ in an everyday life because that's what's going to stick with them. I pretty much grew up in Sunday school. I cannot remember one single Sunday school lesson. I got great teaching. Don't get me wrong. I love great teachers. Great people taught us as, as kids growing up. But I don't remember one single individual lesson. I do remember examples of my mom and my dad as they lived out their faith in their business, as a neighbor, as friends, as family, as mom, as dad. I remember those things. And that's the opportunity that you have. Model out your faith. Let your kids see how it works itself out in your life because those are the lessons that are going to stick with you, with them. As you walk along the road, as you sit in your home, when you go to bed, when you get up in the morning. In fact, one of the ways you can do that, if you are a parent and have never been baptized, we've got a baptism next week. In fact, we've got a class for it after the, service, the noon service today. If you have never been baptized, I can't think of a better example to set for your kids than to publicly declare your faith in Christ in the waters of baptism. And I would encourage you, in fact, even if you're not a parent, I, I would encourage you to do that. If you have not been baptized, it is one of those public declarations. It is one of those public stances in which I say, this is the direction of my life. I am following Christ for the rest of my life. I want to encourage you to do that. A couple weeks ago, actually just last week, we had, um, we had the chance. We took um, a pastoral staff, board members, and some of the leaders in our church up to a conference up at uh, Granite Bay at Bayside Church called Thrive. And one of the speakers, it was a, it was a conference for um, church leaders, uh, for leaders in general, but particularly church leaders, pastors. And one of the speakers was a guy named Lee Cockerell. Lee Cockerell um, was the uh, executive vice president for Disney Resorts. He oversaw all of Disney, Florida. Okay? And, and he talked about leading by example and leading as a role model. And he said these words. I wrote them down. I thought, this is not just for pastors. This is not just for leaders. This is not just for executives. This is good, great words for parents. He said these words, be careful what you say and do every day because people are watching you all the time. I think those are great words for parents, great advice for parents. Be careful what you do and say every day. Because people are watching you. Little people are watching you 
all the time. So let me leave you with this verse again. Words of Moses. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Thank you.